You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Texas Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back with episode seven. Episode seven, and only about two months ago, we just started this podcast, trying to basically highlight just you know poker in Texas and all of that. And it's been kind of a kind of a process. It's really it's really grown since then, and I'm really you know excited about where the podcast could be going. Say, I am just shocked at how um, quick the numbers have increased. And we even got a shout out on Ben Deach's vlog. If you haven't seen that? Definitely go check that out. Yeah, Ben Deach's last vlog. You can hear me talk about poker again. <laughs> so if you if you don't if you didn't get your fill, I will be on there. So that was a that was really cool, especially when you showed me. I I was thinking it was our YouTube channel. I was like, great pictures. I was like, you did a really good job going to the <laughs> desert and get these pictures. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, that was really cool of him to do. Right. I mean, so I guess I just played this week a little bit and um, had a kind of an interesting session. I had a few good hands and then things kind of got kind of knocked off the rails for me and went sideways. But I had kind of an interesting hand I thought you'd at least want to hear about. Okay. So I was playing at 52 Social. Um, I had pocket nines in about mid position and under the gun plus one, I believe he was. It's always confusing when they have that under the gun straddle. Yeah. But um, there was no straddle on this time. Um, early position player makes it 15. I only call with my pocket nines and we go to a heads up flop. So the flop comes queen, deuce, nine with two spades in the club. And he actually checks it to me. I was kind of expecting a bet here. Huh. That's a, yeah, I would have thought a bet there, too. That's a really good board for a C bet, regardless of if he has a queen or not. Uh, in your position, there's two spades. Uh, I don't mind a check or a, like, a small down bet. Just this, a down bet that looks like you're trying to steal this pot for cheap. Or a check is not the uh, worst thing in the world either. So I don't really have a huge opinion. I guess when you have jack-10 or two spades, that uh, you kind of want to bet. But really, I feel like he would bet those very often. Maybe even more often than a queen. So, like I say, a down bet or a check. I really don't have a, a problem with it. Right. So, and speaking of down betting or checking, I decided to size up to 35. <laughs> what was the pot? Um, 30. Okay. I uh, did not see that one coming. Yeah, well, he called. <laughs> and, okay, um, good bet, I guess. <laughs> um, So then on the turn brought the king of clubs. So the board was queen of spades, deuce of spades, nine of clubs, king of clubs. So double flush draw. And then on the turn, he checks it over to me again. Okay. Uh, I definitely think this is... A easy bet uh i mean i'm maybe a little concerned of jack 10 here but there's way too much value from like uh flush draws even a backdoor flush draw a queen 
Uh, and like I say, I feel like Jack-10 would have led the flop, having been the pre-flop raiser. So this is definitely a bet here. Uh, like I say, I mean, maybe about half pot to pot. I mean, I would actually size up a little bit here. I bet 55. Okay. And he called. And then the river brought a six of diamonds. So both flush draws missed, and the fun, and the board ended up being queen, queen deuce of spades, nine king of clubs, and the six of diamonds. And he checks it back over to me. Uh, I think this has a lot of options here. Because now you could either bet small, get called more often maybe, by looking like you missed maybe a draw, and you're just trying to steal the pot for cheap, like a, like a little bluff. Or you could size up and, you know, basically also be kind of trying to basically uh, basically act like you're uh, have the – you missed the flush draw. So I decided because this is very player dependent and I, I kind of was, was very sure this guy, if he had almost anything, was going to look me up. I actually decided to jam all in for $265. Oh, God. How much over pot is that? Uh, I guess we can try to figure it out. So we have 15, so that's 30. And then we had 30, that's 60, so we'll call it 70. Call another 100, so it'd be 170 to 180. So it'd be 180. So it was 265 and 180-ish. Probably the blinds in there a little bit, but... I mean, player dependent, if you feel like this guy's capable of just not being able to let a hand go, I mean, and let's say he checked, called your bet, and just ended up with, like, a king, I mean, this could be, I mean, he could call here. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with it, really. Right, so I knew he was going to think I was trying to steal it on a misdraw, which is why I went with this, because I knew he was capable of thinking, of seeing the misdraw, knowing that's what I would do, so he would call. So in turn, that's what I do with my value hand, the exact same thing, so he's going to... So he called with two pair. He said he had two pair. I didn't see. And I ended up scooping that pot. Well, and I think that's well played by you, and I don't really hate it for him either, because this is, like, especially you would play a hand this way. Uh, with a misdraw, this very well, sometimes you'll show up with nothing here. Like earlier, in, like later in the session, yeah. where I lost half the stack, doing the same thing with five high. So this is kind of player dependent on him as on him as well, because like I, if I do this, I think I bet smaller because I'm usually not jamming this river here on the missed draw. I just don't have that many river bluffs as you do in your range. So I don't mind his call, and I don't mind your shove right there. I think that was both were actually good plays. Well, and he also is, um, him and I have played a lot of hands together too, so he's seen hands like this happen. So with the river jam on the miss draw and on for value. So, I mean, I guess he could be lying or be not lying. I mean, he did call, so I guess two pair would be kind of makes sense but it's just kind of he kind of played this hand weird if he had two pair if he pre-flop raised i would assume he hit the queen i will say i will check some of my weaker queens there for kind of pot control and just kind of deception so maybe he was doing that well 
I believe he said he flopped two pair, so I was guessing queen nine. But he didn't say it to me. He said it to the his friend next to him. And he was like, man, I really have to start folding um, these hands, is basically what he said. But at the same point, I mean, literally the hand before that, I looked someone up with pocket tens, you know, whenever the flush draw missed and was wrong as well. So, Well, he might have just che- checked thinking you were going to bet and then was going to check raise you, but your bet was so big that he got a little bit nervous and just decided to call with it. So um, uh, that's still, I would be one reasoning that would kind of make sense to me. Still a pretty interesting hand, though, in the session, so I thought that was a good one to bring back. Yeah, that is an interesting hand. It's a, uh, you, you know, it's weird because I woke up today and saw your message about, like, the, uh, how bad the session went after that, and you're like, I suck. And I was listening to the po- our podcast to kind of, on the way over here to see what kind of changes we can make and how we can do it better. And it's you talking about the two biggest sessions of your life back to back. I'm like, oh God, how quickly things turn in poker. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or later in that session, I ended up flopping a pair, a uh, set of sevens again, just all sorts of flopping sets. That's but usually super profitable. Super profitable until you get drilled with the gut shot on the turn. I believe it was. So that was super hurtful, but, I mean, it, I mean, I sunk someone with the gut shot last week, and this week I get it. So what goes around comes around. All right, so I guess it's all part of the game. So, um, did you have any hands that you were gonna bring? So yeah, I was a. Uh, it was kind of a good week for me as far as. Uh, well, actually, it was horrible profitable wise. Uh, so, so had a lot of fun. Had my uh, had a uh, my big upswing, and then last week was not profitable. So. What was it? Thursday. Super excited. Uh, the wife's at work doing one of her shifts, and uh, we both work in the medical field. And my stepdaughter is at her dad's that night. And although I miss them, you know, terribly, it's a very good night for poker. <laughs> Guilt-free poker when nobody's going to be at the house. That's really awesome. Uh, so I'm all excited. I go to the room and ready to start. Buy in and this hand happened, which is very interesting. I have queen jack. I raise 15 from like middle position uh, over one limper. Uh, he ends up call uh, two end up calling. I think I, one has position on me. One has one I have position on. The flop comes a seven six. Uh, I am one of the tighter players at this place. It's a very kind of gambly place. A lot of people are going to give me credit for an ace here. I choose to go ahead and C-bet. I won't always do this with two, with uh, two other players, but I feel like this is a good situation. I end up getting one call. So the guy who calls me is directly to my right, and he is pretty. he's an action player. He is a fun player to play with. So we end up, once he calls, I'm like, I'm, even with an action player, I'm kind of done with the hand a little bit. I the turn comes a queen. So I'm done with the hand, but I end up turning the second pair. He checks, I check. I mean, there's still a lot of aces in his range for calling. And then we both check, check, and then the queen comes on the river. So I turn in river, trip queens. He checks, I bet 25. He is a real fun action player. 
And I'm just like, as I'm doing it, we had talked about just checking it down. I told him, I'm not certain about that. And then the river comes, I'm like, I bet 25, but I'm just telling you to fold. He ends up folding. I show the turn to river queens. He shows me an ace. So I really luck out here. Gee, that is interesting because, man, I always, and those, when did he ask you if you want to check it down? He did on the flop, and I was like, well, let's just see what the turn comes. And when he checks, I go ahead and check back. Because uh, like I say, I mean, he has a lot aces in his range, obviously. Uh, he also has seven sixes. I think a queen could be good here. But like I say, it's definitely not worth betting here. Then rivering the queen was super was super nice. But it was not a big pot. But that leads into our next hand, which is also pretty interesting. I end up with ace-10, and I call 15 pre-flop with four players to the flop. Flop comes ace-10-2, so I nail this flop. He bets 15 from early position. I choose to just call. There's nothing real dangerous about this flop. So I'm hoping to get a couple other players, but it just ends up being me and him. Turn to Jack. He bets 20. I raise to 65. So I have a great hand. He is in the process of folding. He's like, Clint, I know you have king-queen for the straight. As he's folding, I tell him I don't have king-queen for the straight. A straight is good here. He takes, his, he takes it back just as he's about to fold and then ends up putting in a call. I'm like, oh, God. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is good. The river's a queen. Then he leads out for 65. And when I told him I don't have the straight, I told him I have a super strong hand, but I do not have a straight. So he then leads 65 into me, and I'm like, oh, God. I just told this dude I had a monster as he's about to fold, and all of a sudden he's now leading out into me. I'm like, what was the final, what's the board uh, on the river now, just so I can kind of keep up? So you have... So it is ace, ten, deuce, jack, king. So it, the straights are, the king is a straight. Right. So then, but you already told me you didn't have a straight. I have. I told him I did not have a straight at that point. I told him I had a gigantic hand. So he bets <laughs> 65. I go, ugh. I'm like, I just can't believe this river is this bad. <laughs> And then finally, he's like, he's like, you know, you did it for me. I'll tell you, just go ahead and fold. I'm like, but I'm still like, he is an action player. I mean, he is. He might be telling me this with like queen ten or you know king queen. Oh wait, not king queen. Uh, like a lesser two pair. So there's hands I beat here. I'm like, mm, uh, I don't know. And then finally, I fold, and he shows over king ten. For a rivered straight. He just had the 10 and uh, called down. But he was on the verge of folding in the turn. I talk him out of folding. And then he drills the four outer on the river. You want to talk about feeling like a dipshit. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean. I just could not feel any dumber in my life. I mean. Granted. I want that call. I mean, it's a four-outer, but to know that you were in the process of about to get chips, and you're like, no, 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 
you should call, and now you get all my money. Clint's <laughs> mm. <laughs> like, I hate you not to be able to realize all your equity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wanted to realize all my equity, and then got murdered for it. So this session is going off the rails, not going real well. Uh, I climb back a little bit. And I'm, you know, just one of those days where you're all excited to go play poker, and then like an hour and a half in, you're like, God, I hate this game. I kind of was going to ask you about on the first hand, but then you jumped into this hand, too, and I kind of have the same question. Not very often do you, or at least when I play with you, like at uh, different rooms in Houston, do you really talk to the other, your, the person you're in the pot with about checking it down, telling them not to fold? I very rarely, I mean, I've done it a few times in my hands. Um, where I show someone a card to get the call or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of anno- kind of abnormal for you, though. Well, th- I think this comes into play with like where we play at. You play in Houston, where you see some of the players some of the time, or like that you know. I play in a small town where all of these players I play with I played with for four years and seen them multiple times. So you kind of develop that you know that camaraderie, you know, you know, friendship type deal. So, and this plays so different. Like, people ask to check this crap down, like, all the time. Uh, chop the pots. I mean, just all kinds of stuff goes on in, like, where I play that you just never see in Houston. It's, a, it's a, just a very different atmosphere, which is amazing because... If you're asking to chop the pots every hand, then you probably just shouldn't be playing those limits. Yet when I'm like, well, why don't we just bump the limits down a little bit and play poker, and then you know nobody's taking the hit, but we're still playing poker. They're like, no, no, let's let's keep playing big. I'm like, I don't keep. I mean, it's one of the baffling mystery things, mysteries in life to me. So, but that's a different, it's just a different atmosphere over there than in Houston. I have kind of an interesting hand that one, once I heard about you tell me about your hands this week that I played probably a few months ago, that kind of made me think of this hand hearing your hands. Um, I was playing a session at 52 and I was like, Oh, this is my last, you know, like, I'm going to, I'm getting up and leaving now. This was not a great session. Like, it was just, I was down, like, maybe, like, I think I ended up being down, like, three-fourths of a buy-in or something, like, after, on the second bull. But I'd come back, but it was still hadn't broken even yet. And I, I actually told the table. I said, all right, well, this is for real is my last hand. And I get dealt pocket sixes, okay? And I was like, oh, this could be great for me. And this lady who's sitting about even stacked with me, right on my left, um, we end up seeing a flop. I'm sure it was like fifteen dollars, multi-way, very multi-way, to a deuce six ten rainbow board. Oh wow, beautiful for you! And I've already announced it's my last hand. And a super aggressive player leads into the field with a pretty big bet, and I end up. I end up raising him, and then she re-raises me, right? And then um, he folds, so it's heads up. And then, um, well, I, I'm sorry, it was switched because I re-raised her. I'm sorry. 
Um, yeah, but that's not the point. But basically, I end up re-raising her. She calls, and then on the turn, she said, oh, do you want to just check it down? And I was, I told her, I said, definitely not. Most likely, I might be going all in this hand. Is <laughs> what I told her. I, told her, I don't play like that. And super, because she goes, what did she say? She goes, well, this is a set over set for sure. Is what she said, right? Oh God, that's that's a little nervous to set to hear. <laughs> well, when you were the middle set, you're a little nervous. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I end up raising her on the turn or something. We end up getting it all in, and she had the set of deuces. And I had the sixes, so. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's was she a pretty good player? Yes. Yeah, it seems like it because I mean that very much screamed set over set on a rainbow board like that. So it's a. Uh, yeah, that will. It's always a hard dynamic when people are wanting to do this, like check it down. Okay, because there's this one guy. I play with who is he will check down almost every like almost every pot. So he will he'll want to check down. Now here is the big thing: if he has the nuts, he still checks it down. I mean I've seen him do it with these stone cold nuts several times, or some or I mean he'll do it when he has nothing. So it's a. Uh, it's kind of weird because he's such a because when you're that way and you're that nice of a guy, I feel ever bad uh, taking advantage of it when I don't have a big hand. Because if I'm not gonna if I'm not gonna do it when I have a big hand, then I certainly shouldn't be doing it when I have nothing. I guess by the rules you're perfectly fine, but it seems just like a kind of a bad way to be. I mean, I think this is just a simple thing of that guy. I mean, everyone goes to play poker for different reasons. I'm sure that guy just goes to hang out more for the social environment, probably more to hang out, have oh, yeah. a few drinks. I'm sure that's that kind of player, right? I mean, everyone goes for different reasons. I mean, I'm sure that's the situation. He just wants to go hang out and have a good time, and he doesn't care if he wins or loses. Oh, I well, okay, like I, when you say – Nobody doesn't care. I think everybody cares a little bit, but like some of us that are like really trying to actually grind a profit just care way more. Right. Well, I'm saying the reason why he goes to play poker isn't to go make money. He's probably going to have a good time. He's probably yeah, going that's... to socialize with you because you, like you said, it's a tight group over there. Yeah, that's the main reason. And like, and then you're. Uh, you kind of change over time, too. Because, I mean, that kind of used to be how I was. I mean, I've never been one of these people who I'd never cash out or anything. But I played back in the underground days when I believe it was almost impossible to do make a profit. So, I mean, it was just rake too hard. But it was just to have a hobby and have a, you know, go and have a good time. So, yeah, everybody has different reasonings. And then sometimes those reasonings change over time for different players, too. Right, absolutely. But kind of going back to that, my first session, and we kind of talked about it off air, about how, like, sometimes a hand, well, like a session, not a hand, a session will go kind of off the rails. Kind of, it seems like once one thing kind of goes wrong, sometimes it can kind of get way out of control, or just one thing leads to another, and then it's just a horrible session. Whether it be tilt, well, I guess mainly it's, it's tilt or just kind of letting your emotions uh, kind of get the better of you. 
Oh, yeah. And uh, everybody has a different way of dealing with stuff. Because I will take sessions super hard. Take sessions. I take pots super hard. Like, even worse. <laughs> like, we were talking about, like, you know, like, these vloggers have these meetup games. That sounds, like, awful to me. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, you're going there to play and all that and have a good time. But I was super competitive. I've been super competitive my entire life, even things that do not involve any money. So this is just going to be so difficult for me. Uh, so we're, yeah, we were kind of talking, and you were mentioning Next Gen about, like, those three players that are on that vlog and just how they how they respond differently. And it's really cool to see, like, three different people, like, at the same exact time, like, how they respond to losses and wins. Right. That's a super interesting vlog, too, because we've been we have actually been watching them. We kind of stumbled upon them in their very early days because I, I would just go to poker vlogs on YouTube. Like once we had already watched all the normal people and just hit poker vlog and just hit what's new this week and just see who's posting new vlogs. So you want to talk about some vloggers who kind of blew up quick. Those guys really kind of took off. Yeah, they really did. And I remember you showing me the vlogs, and you liked them right from the start. I guess because the big reason I like vlogs is because they're very relatable. And being a 40-year-old guy, it's kind of hard to relate like to college kids. But then the more we watch their vlog, the more I'm like, oh, my God. these They really know what they're doing from like the video editing standpoint. And then they're the first ones that have like a multiple-person vlog. So that adds like such a different way of doing it. I think that's really cool. Right, that's that's definitely one of the what makes them so interesting to watch. It's how like you can have one car dead session, but what are the chances of all three people having a, a car dead session? You're always gonna see a good vlog. Yeah, it's a uh, and just seeing how they react to like each other's. Uh, situations it's a i don't know i find that really interesting so i like i say they kind of won me over i remember being like oh god just you know idiot college kids or whatever and then as we watched them more and more like rosie had a real interesting situation i think you remember it was in oklahoma and this guy won and was just kind of a dick about it and you can see, like, Rosie, like, being like, oh, God. But he responded so well to the, uh, well to it. I was like, oh, God. Maybe he's, you know, these, there's more to these kids than what it seems like. Because I don't even know if I would have handled it that well, being a 40-year-old guy. And I was like, I was so impressed by how he handled that one situation. And then, like I say, their vlogs just got better and better so fast. I was like, uh, okay, now I'm a fan. <laughs> say, I know you. You would not have handled it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I was trying to give myself half credit. Half credit of a college kid handling a situation. So, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get a little bit of a, you know, a little bit better. <laughs> so Clint's like, I would be meeting this guy on street beefs. Shout out the street beefs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't checked them out, that's where Clint will be meeting you if you if you do that to him at a poker room. Uh, yeah, it's, I'm an emotional guy, man. I'm an emotional guy. But speaking of emotional guy, but like 
one one thing about that vlog that's really interesting is you know how a few weeks ago we talked about how some sessions you're just not going to win. Like, you can play perfectly, you're not going to win. Or, and any given hand, some hands just play themselves and you're just not going to be the winner. The one person who you can really see it in the vlog sometimes is like when Frankie has a hand like that where like, it's just either like a setup situation or the hand's just going to play itself or he literally, he really didn't do anything wrong, but you can see it hit him mentally so much sometimes like those big hands. And then like, it seems like sometimes he'll have one hand where it kind of goes off the rail a little bit, which will then, which we've all been there. will kind of like, you either want to not really make up for it, but maybe kind of get it back or try to do something you wouldn't normally do just because you're kind of mentally tilted. Oh yeah, that's a yeah, one sometimes it just you feel that session spiraling down. And you know, the more the more you go down, the harder you want to play to make it back up. And everybody has a different ability to deal with this. And mine is not very well. Like uh, the uh guy uh, Scott, the uh I go with Vegas, he's always impressed me when we would go because he could lose multiple buy-ins and then claw himself back uh, so well. And I was like, man, after two buy-ins, I just, I'm not in a right frame of mind. Uh, and you're the same way. Like, you can you can go and lose, you know, multiple buy-ins and uh, still be profitable at the end of the session. Once I lose, like, two buy-ins, I, I, like, I don't even want to see a poker table. So, on the good side, I guess my mental control is knowing what I can handle and just walking away from that situation. But the fact of, yeah, I just could not deal, I, I just don't deal with the losses as well as, like, y'all two do. Right, well, for me, because that's kind of what happened to me last session. Because for me, like, when you say um, not really get mentally tilted off of losing a buy-in or two, if it's like ace king versus kings or aces or whatever, some something like that, or uh, queens versus ace king, and you lose the flip or something like that, that doesn't bother me. Or you know, aces to kings, like it's annoying in the moment, but it doesn't really bother me in the session because those situations are going to happen. What really bothers me is um, playing badly, then losing. That's when things can kind of kind of start getting kind of off the rails quickly. Yeah, I think, well, and I think also this, what really helps is having the bankroll. If you're properly bankrolled, I noticed it bothers you a lot less. So it's a, since we've, since we've uh, started a, like a bankroll and when I, when we're doing well with it, you know, we're, we don't play above our limits for the most part. I mean, we'll take shots here and there, but also, you know, it, if you're not, going out of your league it doesn't bother you as bad but i still like i say still after you know a couple bullets spent i'm like oh god and like i understand what you're saying as far as you know certain variants will happen if you get it in ace king versus jacks or something like that it just is what it is but man i tell you what in that moment i'm like well what happens when I get it in again and it's still, you know, and then I lose again and then happens again. Cause 
like I'll play other games here and there, and there's a famous famous saying like the dice have no memory, mm-hmm. and a lot of people will be like, well, eventually your luck's gonna turn, and you know you can make up some of the money from the session, and that's where the chasing losses comes from. But there's no guarantee in that short term that you're not gonna run just as bad for the next two bullets as you did the first two bullets. Well, that's a whole. That's part of being properly bankroll for the game too. Is because sometimes you kind of worry that, sure, the variance will change eventually. But if you don't have the bankroll to be there when the variance changes, it doesn't matter. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh, so we're uh, yeah, it's that's the biggest part, and I mean, like that's the biggest difference from a lot of people who like end up having a bankroll versus just taking you know money out of their checking account when they can. If you can set aside that money and kind of, especially if you're growing that money, but even if you're not, you know, it's not really going to hurt you as bad when you do lose. But this is coming from somebody who's still dealing with it. So, like I say, I have an emotional guy. Me and Frankie, we understand. Well, it seems like you and Frankie, uh, not get upset, but can kind of be emotionally invested in the hand. Like, cause you know the math, you know that variance is gonna happen, but you get up, you get emotionally invested because you care. That's why you can see the same thing with him. Like, you can tell he's upset, be, like, just because he cares. Like, even if you played well, still, just the results weigh heavier on some people. Oh, like Jamin says, it, it would be <laughs> it's way easier to be not results oriented if the results didn't sting so much. That's a great quote. <laughs> Man, how awesome is it to have Jamin back? Oh God, you know, I was it sucked when he left and stopped vlogging, but eventually you just kind of get used to it. You watch the other vloggers, but the minute he came back with a real vlog, oh God, you're like, man, you know, as you're watching the others, you're like, well, they're all about the same, and then he comes back, and you're like, no, there's a reason this dude's one of the best. Oh man. That's- Especially for both of us, man. I mean, he's just up there. Like, he's the reason why I got into watching the poker vlogs was I just stumbled on his. I was like, who is this guy? Just so interesting. And um, just his personality, just off the charts, entertaining. People who don't even like to really play poker are even interested in watching him. Oh, yeah. It's uh, super, super interesting. And like I say, it really shows to go, like, how much your personality sells that vlog. Like, we see other vloggers who, you know, they do a good job. They're, they're decent poker players, but they have very kind of dry personalities, and they just don't, you know, it makes poker look boring. Whenever I watch poker, like him, like one of Jamin's vlogs, I just feel like, oh, God, I need to play me some poker. It's like rounders, like when uh, when he's telling, <laughs> when he's, when he's telling Worm, it's, you know, it, his girlfriend just left him, and Worm's trying to get him to go play. And finally, he, like, breaks down. He's like, go play some fucking cards. And you're like, you hear that, and you're like, oh, God, let's go. <laughs> Man, right, because, I mean, I don't, I don't remember even how I found his poker vlog. I'm sure I was trying to find a poker podcast because it can be tough, especially back then, to find podcasts that are up to date. But once I found his, I was like, this is pretty interesting. And then at that point too, we even kind of use some of his poker strategies to kind of help our game as well. Cause not only is Jamin very entertaining, he can, we definitely learned some moves from him. 
Yeah, it was well. One thing that interested me so much is realizing how profitable he was, because I was actually showing a pretty good profit at that moment, but I still was kind of skeptical of it. I was like, well, this still could just be variance. But when I saw him doing the same exact thing, I was like, okay, this this could be more real. And like you said, I noticed like one of the biggest things I learned from his videos was I was not betting the river enough. Cause he, I was like, well, by the river, you know, they're probably, they probably got it and all this. But once I saw like how he was doing it, uh, I, I was, I started playing betting the river more. And I tell you what, my profits shot so much more. It really helped me, cause and then seeing him in a cash game of just what we play was super diff was just super interesting to me. Cause if you're watching high stakes poker, it's good you learn, but they're playing against other professional poker players. So I'm like, well, you can make a river bluff there, but I mean, can I make a river bluff against you know? This girl who just started playing five five days ago and is calling every single pair, so but he is playing against the same exact competition, and I learned a ton from him. I have kind of a kind of a funny story for you. Whenever we were trying to talk about players getting emotionally invested and stuff, I saw this situation happen back when I was in might have been in Mohegan Sun, in Connecticut. Tell me what you think about this. So I was playing at one. T uh, I was playing. It was, it was a bunch of tables in the casino. I was playing at one, and behind me, I hear an absolute ruckus going on, right, yelling and screaming. And I turn around and look, and I see two guys about sixty-five to maybe one about sixty-five, probably one in their earlier sixties, in their wheelie in the chairs. You know, the, they have wheels on them and can spin. Mm-hmm. They've turned and they're facing their chairs towards it and are kicking each other. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I ended up listening. I ended up hearing the beginning of the story. So whenever, so the guy to his uh, the other players left, whenever he would like limp or whatever, the other guy would raise right. So then he started kicking him under the table, <laughs> right. <laughs> But then the guy who was raising, raising didn't like that, so he kicked him back, right? And then these two guys, mid sixties, turn and start kicking each other, and we have to get security involved to get these guys who aren't even getting out of their chairs to fight. They're staying in their chairs, kicking each other. Oh wow, that's a <laughs> that is a, a hilarious. Oh my god, that is awesome. I guess if you're going to want two people to break out into a fight at a poker table, those are the two people you want. <laughs> you don't want the two people who are like, you know, workout freaks and, you know, live and die MMA. You want the two people who aren't even going to get out of their chair to fight. That's the uh, those are, that's the fight you want breaking out if you're the dealer. I think they could get out of their chair. I just think that's just the route they went. I, I, I was just thinking when you were saying that. You don't know how you would have handled that situation that Rosie was in. Then mm. I was thinking, probably better than those two guys, at least. I mean, I mean, I don't know. When you when you flop set over set on me, I should have rolled my <laughs> I should have rolled my chair over there and started kicking you. <laughs> are, are you looking for? Are you playing uh, any days this week? You think? Uh, there's a good chance I'll end up playing tonight. So, uh, well, it's. 
my whole poker uh, schedule is dictated on by when my wife goes to bed and if I go to bed at that time <laughs> or if I'm not sleepy at that time. So I will probably end up playing tonight, and I'm going to try to get the hours in. We were, we were discussing it, and I'm trying to go ahead and keep doing the 10 hours a week at the very minimum. So if I do that, I should be making like the profit that I kind of want to make from from uh, poker. So we're trying to shoot for that, like ten to fifteen. I I like to average ten, and I'm not gonna hit ten every single week just because life is that way. So if I can get fifteen, even better. But uh, yeah, I definitely want to end up playing a little bit this week and knocking out some hours. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely hoping to. Uh, I'm hoping to play tonight, but most likely Thursday, and it's gonna have to kind of be a longer session, like you said, to get those hours that we're trying to get weekly. So, um, guess that'll lead us probably into next episode. But this was the Text Poker Podcast. This concludes episode seven. Go ahead, throw a like, throw a comment, follow us on Instagram, perhaps. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.